Our lesson this morning comes from the 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Hear these words. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents, and see, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." The one with whom the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents, and see, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and I gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So taking the talent from him, he gave it to the one with 10 talents. For to all those who have, more will be given and they will have an abundance but from whom those who have nothing, but from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. For this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, even that is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. There are a couple of places on my bucket list that are museums. I want to go to the Air and Space Museum in Washington. I want to see the Wright Flyer, the 1903 Wright Flyer that started it all. I want to see the Apollo 11 command module capsule. I was like some of you laying on the floor in front of the black and white television as Apollo 11 landed on the moon back in 1969. Yes, Brother Doug remembers 1969. 
I want to see Neil Armstrong's space suit. And I want to see there at the Air and Space Museum, they have a set that is just like the Starship Enterprise from Star Trek. I want to go there and see that. I think that would be cool. But there's another museum I want to attend. It's not as well known. It's in Brooklyn, New York. It's um, the Museum of Failures. I want to go there. I want to see some of these colossal failures, some of these games that didn't make it, the robots that didn't make it, the other experiments that didn't make it. You remember Google Glass? Remember Google Glass? We were all going to walk around with Google screens right here in our eyeballs. You remember the Segway, don't you? It was a revolution that was going to change culture. Maybe you remember the Ford Etzel. This museum is dedicated to flops, fizzles, and failures. There's the Swedish warship Vasa. Vasa sank 1,400 yards into its maiden voyage. It was a 17th century highly armored vessel. It had all kinds of cannons and munitions. It was not to be messed with. The problem with the ship was it was out of balance. It was top heavy. And it got out of the harbor and a breeze of less than five knots hit it and capsized it. I want to see... I want to see Kent cigarettes. Don't want to smoke one, but I want to see them because Kent cigarettes, some of you may remember, they advertised that this was the safest cigarette there was. It had a Micronite filter. Turns out a Micronite filter was the equivalent of sucking air through asbestos because that's what Micronite was. In this museum, there is... Homage paid to CNN Plus, a streaming service from CNN. CNN Plus lasted three weeks and was an abysmal failure. There's even the designs of a World War II aircraft carrier that was going to be built on top of a floating iceberg. I want to see the failures and the flops because I want to admire the people that were willing to get out on a limb and risk it, even though it didn't quite work out the way they dreamed. Because I think if people were less afraid of failure, if we were, were more open to being creative and, and we didn't care about the judgments that we would face, I think our world would be a better place. And then I bump into Jesus who really doesn't care about failure, who is all in. All in. He wants us to risk it all. Don't hold back a thing. That's not easy to consider, is it? 
I've gotten to the age I have to fill out those surveys for my investment people. And they're all about how much risk can I tolerate with my money. I can tolerate zero risk with my money. I want to bury it in a hole in the backyard to make sure it's there. But I can't do that. There is some risk involved in any investment. There's some risk involved in getting out of your bed in the morning. There is risk every place in our world, but we have become so risk-averse that we never achieve great things because we're living so cautiously and so carefully. Jesus told a story, it's in the 13th chapter of Matthew's gospel. He said, a man went out to sow seeds. And you know the story, some of the seeds fell on the path and the birds came and ate the seeds. Some seed falls on rocky ground and it sprouts up, but because there's no depth of soil, the sun beats down on it and burns the plants and they die. Some seed falls among the thorns and the thorns choke out the seed and the plant never prospers. And some seed falls on the good ground and brings forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. Let everyone who listens have ears. And what we Methodists like to do when we preach this is we try to figure out what kind of soil are we. Oh man, that's easy preaching right there. Do you have a shallow heart, brothers and sisters? Do you have a thorny heart, brothers and sisters? Do you have an earthly heart that, that, that is not deep? We spend all this time worrying about what kind of soil or what kind of dirt we are when in fact the point of the parable is you need to be sowing seed. It's the same guy sowing seed. Some seed absolutely prospers a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, and some seed is wasted. And Jesus said, I don't care about the waste, sow the seed anyway. Can you imagine in a Methodist church if the preacher said, I don't care, do it anyway? Finance committee would go, administrative council would go, Board of Trustees would just faint dead out. Because we're so busy in the church. Preacher, you've got to count the cost. That's all we do. We count. And you get what you count. Jesus said, quit counting. The parable at the talents is not about counting. It's about going all in. Two of the guys go all in. They're all in. They take what the master has given them and they double it. They have used their smarts or their wisdom or God's grace or the talents they have and they have made more money. They are all in. A talent is two things. It's, a, it's money. A talent is equal to 20 years wages for a slave in that economy. Today, one talent would be worth about $680,000. The guy that got two talents, he's got $1.3 million. And the guy with five talents, he has $3.4 million. 
So you could say that this parable is about money, and I've actually seen that played out where generosity begets generosity begets generosity. I had a friend named Richard C. Richard C.'s gone on to glory, and we did a couple of capital campaigns in that church, and over the capital campaigns, Richard C. gave a total of $400,000 to the church, and he came to me um, right as I was leaving that church going to another one. He said, you know, I want to tell you something about my gifts to the capital campaign. I said, well, Richard, you were very generous, and I know as a retired person that was, that was hard for you to do. And he said, oh, no, it was easy for me to do. And let me tell you about the $400,000 I gave, Okay. God's already put it back. Really? There's an individual here at Trinity. He, he's got a church fund because he's told me about it, and he keeps giving out of his church fund to see if the balance of his church fund will go down. He gives big amounts of money out of his church fund, and you know what happens to the church fund? God just keeps putting the money right back. Why? Generosity begets Generosity. When we use what God has given us, God blesses us as we're using what God has given us. But I didn't want to preach a stewardship sermon, but I want to tell you a stewardship sir, sir, uh, story. In a church I pastored, I was preaching on this passage of Scripture, and I wanted to make the point about what we do with what God has given us. So I told the church business administrator, I said, on Sunday, I'm preaching on this parable and we're going to give everybody who comes to church $5. And she did what most church business administrators do. She went, really? What if they're not a member of the church? What if they're just visiting? What if they, they come to church and they never come again? So, okay, we're going to give them $5. I don't care. They'll leave the church with $5. It doesn't hurt us. On that Sunday, I gave the members of the church, took from the pastor $3,000. And they thought I'd absolutely lost my mind. I said, I'm giving you $5. Do, do whatever you want to do with it. But we're having a harvest festival around Thanksgiving, and we're going to come together on the Sunday night before Thanksgiving, and we're going to show each other what we've done with our $5. how we've increased our $5. It was so cool. Children had made gifts for parents and children had made gifts for dogs and cats. People had baked pies and cakes and cookies. There were other people that went to the holy and sacred hobby of lobby and they had put things together and made these wonderful, gorgeous baskets that you put flowers in and other things that it was just amazing. And they brought all this to the church the Sunday night before Thanksgiving and the, the front of the church was just filled in the fellowship hall up on the stage of all the things that had been made and they, they celebrated just what God had done. And then the weirdest thing, we had a God moment. In that church fellowship hall, on a Sunday night, we were just bringing these things to show how God uses the talents he gives us. That's all we were going to do. 
But an unauthorized Holy Spirit garage sale took place in that church and people started buying these things from each other. And before the night is over, the $3,000 that the preacher had given out had returned as $18,000 that we raised accidentally at this harvest festival, which we in turn gave away. Jesus asks you to step out on faith and walk in faith and trust him. Trust him with what you have. Trust him with what he's given you. Trust him with your future. And we say, yay, God, that's really good. And that'll be really good until 12 o'clock and I'm going to forget all about it and get about living in the real life. Talents are also capabilities and gifts you have. Some of you can sing. Some of you can play a musical instrument. Some of you can do accounting. Some of you are great at thinking. Some of you are great artists. Some of you are philosophers and poets. Some of you have the gift of empathy and care and concern. Some of you have the gift of hearing and listening. Some of you can lift people up and have the gift of encouragement. God has given you these gifts, and they are real powerful gifts in your life and in the life of the church. And I'm asking you, what are you doing with your gifts? What are you doing with your talents? Brother Doug, I bring them to church every Sunday. Good for you. What are you doing for the cause of Jesus Christ and for the kingdom of God with these gifts? We have a group that we send out both to Jonesboro, Oak Grove, and Gibsland. They preach and They are doing a phenomenal job, and I want you to know I've decided I am the fifth best preacher in this church. There are four lay people that are better preachers than I am. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to go on to glory and at least get in the top four so I'll be in the playoffs. But I've sat on the board of ordained ministry of the Methodist Church for so many years, and I've heard this one story, and it keeps repeating itself A male or a female says, I believe that early on in my life, God called me into the ministry. God called me to preach. God called me to lead. God called me to serve him. And I didn't do it. And now that I'm retired, I'm willing. But I'm willing with a lot of regret because I know this is something God wanted me to do in my life and I was not willing to step out on faith and trust him. Are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to use the talents that God has given you to plant the seeds of hope and faith in other lives? Are you willing to use your talent for God? Paul put it this way. It's the book of Thessalonians. Finally, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you learn from us how you ought to live and please God, you should do that more and more. That's what I like about Paul. You just, every day, you need to go on to perfection. You need to do it better and better. And he says, this is what I want you to do, beloved. I want you to admonish the idlers. I want you to encourage the faith faint-hearted. I want you to help the weak. I want you to be patient with all of them. And here's how you do it. I want you to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You say, I don't have any talents. Can you rejoice always? Can you pray without ceasing? 
Can you give thanks in all circumstances? Well, the Bible says if you can do those things, you have a talent. And I don't know about you, but if I find somebody always rejoicing, always praying, and always giving thanks, I'm going to hang out with them because they're going to be an influencer. They're going to point me to Jesus Christ. They're going to point me into deepening my relationship with Christ and following Christ more closely. Is Following Jesus, serving Jesus, using your talent for Jesus, something you're all in on. Yes, the preacher watches poker. I do. And I love that moment where the wheeler, dealer, gambler takes the chips and the money and the, the parking passes, whatever's in front of him, and he just shoves it right in the middle. He says, I'm all in. It's not a good theological image, but that's what you need to see of God on Calvary's cross. God was saying, I'm all in on you. I'm all in on humanity. I love you. I want to save you. I want to give you eternity. I'm all in. I'm going to die for you. I'm holding nothing back. We say, Jesus, I'm good for about 23%. We're like the one guy. We bury what he's given us. We deny what he's given us. We say, oh, I, I can do this, but it's not important. It is. It is. God has given you marvelous, gracious, wonderful gifts to be used. Are you all in? That's what the parable of the talents is about. It's not about counting money. It's not about being worried about the audit at the end. It's are you all in? And Jesus doesn't call us to success. He calls us to be faithful. Not everything we're going to do is going to prosper. Not every soul we're going to talk to is going to accept Christ. Not every prayer we're going to pray is going to be answered. But Jesus said, do it anyway. Get out there. Don't worry about failing. Just do it. I'm going to talk to the golfers for a minute. Come to a par three. Tee shots over water. Good golfer keeps playing the golf ball he's playing. Bad golfer says, ah, let me pull out an old golf ball because I might end up in the water. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to end up in the water. Why? Because you said as you were walking up, I'm going to fail. Jesus says, I want you all in. Quit looking at results. Just follow me on the journey. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me on the journey. Follow me on the journey. journey. Keep walking with me. And let's see what happens together. You can change lives. For Christ. You can. You'll touch more people with his love and grace than I ever will. And they hear you better than they hear me. Because when you talk to Jesus about Jesus, you're talking out of love 
and they hear it out of love and they hear it out of concern. When I talk about Jesus, I say, ah, he's just a minister. He's supposed to. In this room are the seeds of revival. In this room are the seeds of renewal. In this room are the seeds of the Holy Spirit falling mightily on Trinity and lives being changed and transformed. It's right here. It's you. Are you going to be all in? My friend Stan Chaddock was a math professor at Northwestern. He was the head of the math department. And I loved talking to Stan. Stan uh, was just an interesting character for a math professor. Stan, um, I said, how'd you get into this? How'd you decide to be a math professor? And he said, well, I didn't really want to do it. But I went home one semester. He went to um, college in central Arkansas. And he, he said, I went home and I told my daddy, Dad, I can't do it. Math's too hard. I don't know what I would do if I majored in math. I, I, I just need to come home. I said, what did your dad say? Stan said, didn't say a word. What happened? He said, well, Doug, I'd come home right after they had harvested and baled all the hay. And we had all these hay bales everywhere. And he said, my dad just pointed to the hay bales and invited me to go with the guys and put the hay bales in the barn. Stan said, I spent one afternoon doing that and I went back to Arkansas and I got my bachelor's degree and then I got a master's degree in math and then the University of Tennessee awarded him a doctor doctorate. And Stan taught at Northwestern for years and years and years and Stan was instrumental in starting the Louisiana School in Natchitoches, LSMSA. And Stan touched lives. Stan also knew every corny joke ever told. As a matter of fact, they still talk about the Sundays in Natchitoches when I would walk into the pulpit and I would say, Stan, I see you in church. I need a joke, Stan. I need the joke about the farmer that meets the consultant. And Stan would say, do you want me to come to the pulpit? Yes, sir, Stan. You come right to the pulpit and you tell the joke. And he'd tell that one and usually a couple of others. Because Stan won night, Yaakov Smirnov was in Branson, Missouri, and he was walking through the audience with a microphone, and he said, does anybody want to tell a joke? And Stan Chaddock took the joke and took the microphone and told 10 minutes worth of jokes. The next night, Yaakov Smirnov had Stan Chaddock open for his act, and Stan even gave me the joke to use at his funeral. Stan was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. It was terminal. Stan knew it. Church knew it. I knew it. And we got to the spring of Bright Sunday. The Sunday after Easter is called Bright Sunday. And the ancient church used to go and tell jokes on Bright Sunday and play practical jokes on each other on Bright Sunday because the ancient church taught that the resurrection of Christ was a practical joke that God played on the devil. It's beautiful theology. Stan preached on Bright Sunday. And he talked about dying. And he talked about living. And he told jokes. 
And we laughed and we cried. And that terminally ill math professor in the name of Christ got up under us and lifted us to heaven because he put his all in that. He used his talents. Toward the end of his life, he was bedridden. And I went to see him one afternoon. And if you ever get on hospice, I will ask you this question. If it's late in the game, I'll say, what are you still doing here? Because very honestly, some people are still here because they haven't resolved some things. And part of my job is to help you resolve those things. And I asked Stan, I said, what are you doing here, Stan? Because he was in terrible pain and just so limited in what he could do. Stan says, I have a grandson at LSU. And he's struggling with math. I've got to stay here to help him get through the semester. And when I do that, Doug, it'll be okay to go. Stan Chaddick helped start a school. He had taught all these math students and all these engineers and economists. And my favorite Stan Chaddick story says, yeah, a lot of these kids didn't like my math. One guy came up to me and said, I don't know why I need math. I'm going to be a contractor. Mm. He had... He had lifted church members up. He had prayed for church members. He had entertained church members even from his bed. Stan Chaddock was all in. But he had one more thing he had to do. For his grandson. And he did it. How different would your life be if you were all in for Jesus Christ? If you lived with reckless abandon that his faith had called you into a place where his love and grace could sustain you. Would that we would all be all in and willing to risk everything for Christ Jesus. Would you stand and pray with me? We thank you for the love of God we have witnessed on the cross. We thank you, Jesus, that you went all in for us, that you died and rose again for us, that you ascended and reigned with God for us. You are ever with us, and you can do far more abundantly than we can even ask or think, oh God, Help us willing to be willing risk takers for the sake of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.